the Go Legal Yourself podcast. This show is about knowing the legal life cycle of your business. Welcome to the Go Legal Yourself podcast, episode 37, title, How Do I Get Money for My Business? I'm your host, attorney Kelly Bagler, the queen of business law. You can interact with us on social media with Go Legal Yourself and definitely do find us on the web at golegalyourself.com. So knowledge is power and at Go Legal Yourself, we pride ourselves on bringing you knowledge from the best experts in the industry who know business inside out. Get ready for a life-changing show as we empower all business owners and entrepreneurs to dare to become successful. This is the show about helping you become successful, successful entrepreneurs, and we thrive on bringing you education that gives you the tools to run your business with confidence. Today is that show where we interview experts in the business who can help you become a successful business. Today, I'm joined by Chuck Sinks. He's a small business advisor and he's with the CDC Small Business Finance. Welcome, Chuck. Thanks, Kelly. I'm glad to be here. It's fantastic to have you this morning. So as I ask all of my guests, would you be kind enough to share your favorite attorney joke with us? Well, I love attorneys, um, especially when you need one. Exactly. (laughs) So uh, a joke uh, so there was an attorney, um, he's kind of living the dream, um, you know, maybe on his second wife, you know, has the hair plugs and he's rocking and rolling. Pinstripe suit. Pinstripe suit, oh, yeah. convertible car, you know, the <laughs> nice shades and he's going down the road and sure enough, bam, has a heart attack and he's gone. And, uh, so he goes up to the pearly gates and, you know, he waits in line and he talks to St. Peter and says, St. Peter, why me? I'm rocking and rolling. I'm at the prime of my life. You know, why'd you take me? I'm 43 years old. I'm just hitting my stride. You know, why? St. Peter says, okay, checks his name. says, you know, you're Frank Jones. You're attorney in Florida. Yep, okay, Frank Jones. And St. Peter checks his records and says, so how old are you, Frank? And Frank says, well, I'm 43, St. Peter. And he says, well, gee, Frank, I have these billing statements here that say you're 143. (laughs) Yes, for those of you who don't know how attorneys normally do charge, it's billable hours. That's hilarious, Chuck. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that with us. You're welcome. And I'm, I'm, I'm still here and I'm sitting with an attorney. <laughs> exactly. Nothing's been thrown at you yet. That's right. So you and I have known each other for a while now, I would say. We have. Yes. Yeah, it's been great. It has. It yeah. really has. And having someone like you in my back pocket, because... This is what I do day in, day out. I help entrepreneurs start businesses, grow businesses, and eventually sell businesses. And tell us a little bit about yourself because you have an extremely interesting background. You're not just an advisor. You actually used to be a business owner. That's correct, Uh, Kelly. I I tell uh, my wife and others that uh, uh, when I went uh, and joined the CDC Small Business Finance, it was actually my first, you know, quote, unquote, real job. I started out uh, out of college and got involved in a small healthcare training business that grew um, into a nationwide training business. We started a publishing company as an offshoot of that. And um, one thing led to another. And uh, we started, this is a long time ago, back in the 80s, early 90s. 
before the internet and so forth. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, we started getting into digital publishing, which was kind of an up-and-coming technology at the time. So instead of like printing all of our materials sort of ink and water, which was the old school way at the time, we started putting things on on disc. Are you dating yourself? I'm dating myself. (laughs) Um, But uh, it was a big breakthrough. But then we could sort of print on demand. And we had some fairly large print volumes because we were training a lot of folks. And uh, uh, I went to college with a guy, a friend, um, who had gone to work for Xerox and then later went into the leasing business. And I went to go buy a Xerox high-speed laser printer so we could print all this material overnight. And we needed you know, a high-volume printer to do that. And uh, one thing led to another. He said, no, 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 you don't need to buy new. You can buy them used and so forth. So um, my relationship at the, um, at the training business was coming to an end, and I got uh, bought out. So I went into business with my college friend, and we started selling high-speed used Xerox laser printing systems. And one thing led to another. We opened up five offices, and we actually uh, ended up getting acquired by a publicly traded company, uh, a NASDAQ-traded company. Wow. Chuck, every business owner, every entrepreneur, that, that's their dream, right? You start something because you have passion for it, and then eventually you would love to be bought out by a bigger competitor right right and we were you know very happy but they brought a lot of lot to the table um as far as uh you know capital access to capital and so forth because of capital intensive business and um you know we were just kind of you know lumpy and dumpy out here in the west coast so when we you know started to get acquired by a publicly traded company we sort of got into the big leagues in a hurry and we had some good attorneys with Mm -hmm. us that really made the difference and um and we were now on an even footing you know with the folks that were coming at us you know from new york Mm -hmm. so um that worked out great and then uh the same partner and i got involved in a couple of real estate projects after our involvement with that uh came to an end and then um, we got involved with a turnaround situation at a custom primary market research firm uh, where they were in some trouble. And uh, we went in there, got, got the, the organization back on kind of even footing, and then we turned around and, and grew it. And pretty quickly after that, it was a five- or seven-year evolution, I guess, that I realized that the folks around me were a heck of a lot smarter than me, so I sold my interest to them. And they were very bright statisticians and so forth. So then a uh, little free time, and then uh, the, uh, the economic, you know, the Great Recession was kind of taking hold in uh, 29, 2010, something mm-hmm. like that. And then uh, I had some friends at the CDC Small Business Finance. They're the largest uh, SBA 504 lender in the country. They have a portfolio, or we have a portfolio, of about 3,500 businesses that have uh, SBA loans, uh, primarily to purchase commercial real estate, but we also have working capital loans through our Community Advantage program and our SBA microloan programs. But the uh, the meat and potatoes are the largest um, uh part of the portfolio is the 504 loan. And you can imagine, you know, when the economic downturn really started to take hold, the a lot of small business owners had to purchase their commercial um, property, you know, from which they operated their business, were now kind of caught in a triple witch where they had sort of, they had bought the real estate at, at what's now an inflated value. Mm-hmm. Their business activity was in decline, mm-hmm. and they were they were saddled with very high principal and interest payments. Before you jump ahead, just explain what is a five hundred four loan. So a five hundred four loan is a um, it's a little bit of a jumbled up an acronym for a fifty forty ten loan. So think about a um, a husband and wife running a uh, cement contracting business, for instance, and uh, it's a family business. It's taken off. They might have three to five million dollars in revenue annually, but uh, there's a 
the roll-up door in the back where you know the the trucks and the equipment go in and out to run the jobs mm-hmm. the bookkeeping and the marketing and all that sort of stuff is done in the front office and the opportunity presents itself where this business can buy their commercial building so instead of paying lease payments for the next 25 or 30 years they actually have the opportunity to buy the building so they go to their bank and uh, the banker says look I love your depositor relationship but you're not bankable for a commercial real estate loan but there's this program with uh, the CDC small business finance where the bank only has to loan 50% of the project which is the five Mm -hmm. the SBA will come in in second position and loan 40% which is the four and then the business owner has to inject 10 which is the zero so 504 a little bit of a jumbled acronym and I'm not sure that was by design, but that's how I think about it. Okay. And um, so now uh, now the business owners can start building equity in this property. And this is, it's a great scenario um, in an environment of, of even uh, commercial real estate values or increasing commercial real estate values. When should a business owner start thinking about actually buying the building that they're doing business That's in? a great question. So... Uh, the business is going to have to be established. They're going to have to have a track record of um, of profitability. What do you uh, mean established? Well, established, Years? yeah, in the sense that the example I just gave, where the you know the business has grown to maybe three, two, three, five million dollars of okay. run rate from a revenue perspective. They have to, have to be a profitable business, and then it really gets down to a cash flow analysis. Right. That's how the lenders look at it. So. so for the, uh, the the lease payments they're making now, um, in uh, added to the profitability, is there enough cash flow there to service the debt that the business is going to take on to purchase the building? Got it. So anyone that knows me, Chuck, they know that numbers and I don't get along at all. That's why I went <laughs> to law school, right? Yeah. So if you can break it down for the audience that's exactly like me, we don't understand numbers. Just in plain English, uh, you know, there, there has to be a certain amount of uh, profit that the company makes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not really based on the amount of years that they've been in business. And that's probably when, so they're bringing in more money than is going out. That's probably when you start thinking about buying the building. Yeah. I mean, if you're showing a profit and it really boils down to cash flow, which is a little different than profit. Okay. Right. So cash flow, there's ad backs and that sort of thing. And the folks at CDC, we have experts that do this all day long. And some deals get complicated. I mean, everything is not straightforward, cookie cutter. There's there's uh, opportunities where you can buy the, the building that's already you know been been built, mm-hmm. like the example we just described. Or there's there's you know uh, opportunities to build a custom building coming out of the ground. And it's a little different scenario. But at the end of the day, it boils down: Does the company have cash flow to service the debt? And the way that a banker will look at it, or the CDC will look at it, and as well as a commercial bank, is it's typically a debt coverage ratio. In other words, you know, if the principal and interest payments are, let's just say, it's a ten thousand dollars a month, the company's going to have to have eleven thousand dollars a month of free cash flow. Okay. okay. So basically, one point one okay. is kind of the that's the minimum. Anything north of that is going to be great. But uh, if if a company isn't showing you know profitability and the cash flow to, to service the debt or support the debt, no one's going to make you a loan. Got it. That said, with the, with the structure of the five hundred four loan again, which is is an area that I work with uh, every single day. I'm on the um, I work primarily with borrowers that are in, involved with our community advantage program, which are working capital loans for much smaller earlier stage businesses, uh, and our SBA micro loans, and we have a fast to fund loan. Um, that's a non SBA product. But 
but those are those are much smaller, you know, uh, micro to small businesses. The the five hundred four businesses are a little bit more established. They have they've been in business a little longer time, and the revenues are probably, I would say, this is a guess, but average somewhere in the three to five million dollar range. Right. So one of the number one reasons why a business fails, in addition to not having the legal ducks in a row, is. Either they don't have enough money, they run out of money, or they never really started with enough money to um, start their business. So if a person is interested in starting a business, right, they want a storefront, or, and then they want to sell products, it can be anything. What advice would you give to that business owner before they even go and start renting a storefront? A great question, and it's um, it's uh, really kind of gets into the heart of the folks that that we deal with every single day on advising on yeah. advising uh, perspective. And these are again, these are smaller startup businesses. These are folks that are that are years away from a five hundred four loan that we just talked about. So these are earlier stage businesses, and they're looking for that initial working capital to try to get the their initiative off the ground. Yeah, I like the way you set this up, Chuck. I think that was deliberately done because you're showing the audience the bigger picture. This is where you can go, right? This is you can actually own your own business, uh, let alone the the property that you're running your business through. So now, if we backtrack to the beginning, how would we do this? Right. So, and there's there's a there's a lot of different options out there and you know capital is you know it's kind of the lifeblood of a business but before you even take that step you need as a as an entrepreneur with an idea that seed okay you need to sit down and build a business plan and you need to be very very honest and there's ding some, ding ding yes. business i have spoken about business plans multiple times on multiple actually episodes it's it's definitely important right and we've partnered with a really cool company out there called Live Plan. It's very inexpensive, but uh, Live Plan is an online uh, business plan development site where there's all kinds of different metrics that they pull in for the uh, for the industry category that your prospective business is in. You can pull in all kinds of different uh, financial metrics, and when you start doing your financial projections, you'll know instantaneously whether you're you know over over wishing mm-hmm. you know that this mm-hmm. thing's gonna be more profitable than it is because the industry isn't showing that right so but but what happens is as you build the plan you also get a pitch deck that's sort of developed online simultaneously and we've used it with a lot of our clients it's a very very cool tool but that's sort of step one and then you know once you and you really have to think it through and, and a pitch deck is a pitch deck is when you would go out to a bank or you'd go out to a landlord, or you'd go out to an investor, and this really says that you've sat down and you've, you've given this idea a heck of a lot of thought. And when things go on paper, or in this case, you know, on the computer, and it comes out in paper, um, it is magic Perfect. because you're not just freewheeling some idea. You've sat down and you've put pen to paper. You've got the calculator out. You've built the spreadsheet. You've done projections, and you've taken all the steps. You've done the market research and that sort of thing, and you understand where this business is going to fit and if it is a viable concern. Right, and most of the time, business owners, they potential business owners, they all, they only have one shot. Right, one shot. So you better show up prepared. Right. So pitch deck. Okay. That's right. And then uh, and then once that's done, and you're comfortable that this concept has some legs. 
then the next step is is okay so how do i how do i get it off the ground and then there's a lot of different resources out there there's sbdc's which are small business development uh companies around uh town that you can look up that the sba sponsors and they run all kinds of very uh informative workshops there's attorneys there from i've actually attended some of those yeah. too they're very very good right scores a really good resource yeah. And uh, but if you if you get involved with our organization you know, where you're looking for capital, you know we have business advisors like myself. We have a, a staff that that can help, and we have loan officers that can you know hold someone's hand through the SBA process. How much is it going to cost to sit down with you? Zero. Yeah. <laughs> I think you should repeat that one yeah. more time, Zero. Chuck. <laughs> So if you're, uh, you know, if you're if you're a client and you're uh, you've submitted a loan application um, to the to the uh, CDC Small Business Finance and you need some business advising, we're, we're happy to help. But let me just step back one yeah. step, um, Kelly, if, if if I may, and uh, in in this this search for capital, yes. and uh, and there are a lot of different um, resources out there. Okay, some are better than others, and let me, if you don't mind, I'll like to spend a minute on that because. Absolutely. It's a very, very important. And I deal, I deal with a lot of small business owners that have gone down the wrong, wrong path in securing this early stage capital, primarily debt capital, mm-hmm. and they've paid the price. Mm-hmm. And so uh, as, a, as a, the fallout from the Great Recession, 29, 2010, 2011, um, the commercial banks, for all intents and purposes, sort of vacated what we call the kind of the lower end of the working capital small business lending market, and that's let's just say it's five hundred thousand dollars or less. It might be even seven fifty. And the reason being is that after the Great Recession, there was a lot of regulations and documentation requirements and so forth that were put on uh, community banks, regional banks, national banks to uh, you know document loans and so forth as part of the underwriting. And really, what that meant is that from a uh, expense perspective on from the bank side, it didn't make any sense for them to originate loans in that space. So effectively, they sort of vacated that space. The need was still there. There's small business owners, there's entrepreneurs that, that need that you know, $100,000, $250,000, mm-hmm. $500,000 loan to get their enterprise off the ground after they built the plan. Right, exactly. <laughs> okay? But uh, so that void was quickly filled by entrepreneurs, okay, very smart business people that had gone out and secured private capital, not like a bank through deposit relationships with depositors. But these are, these are private enterprises that have gone out and secured capital from investors and, and others, Wall Street, uh, to finance loans. Mm-hmm. And these loans are typically, you know, there's the cabbages, the on-decks, the can capitals. There's hundreds of them. And they're called fintech lenders, financial technology lenders, alternative lenders, mm-hmm. and so forth. And what will happen is, is you can go in there with a very small amount of information, some bank account information, um, you know, credit card information, so forth and so on. You can fill out an application online and you can get funded a lot of times overnight, a couple of days. And what happens is this information goes into an algorithm because you know they, they cannot take the time to have the proper underwriting done with people that can really dig into the financials and understand what the, the financial outlook or the prospects of this new enterprise look like. But they'll, they, they, there's an algorithm that, that will go out and they'll, they'll capture all kinds of data you know, off the internet mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll, they'll profile you from a credit risk perspective, although it's a little flimsy I think the algorithms get better all the time. But uh, they'll say, great, 
hey, Kelly, yeah, we can loan you $50,000 tomorrow. And, you know, sign the paperwork, send it back to us. You can sign online in a lot of instances. And uh, we're going to take an origination fee of maybe, you know, $5,000 out of the 50, but you'll net 45. And we're going to start taking daily payments out of your checking account of pick a number, I don't know, $500 a day. And you're going to pay this thing back in 11 months, whatever the math is. And you say, great, because you just need that capital to get your enterprise off the ground. You're excited about it. And there's no other, no other place to go that you know of. And off you go. Well, all of a sudden, and I'm looking at, a, at an article right here, it just happened, but these folks had a bakery. They borrowed $133,000. Uh, they got a big order from Sprouts or something for their baked goods. And they had an oven breakdown. And they had, needed capital fast in order to fill this purchase order. So they ended up paying back a total of $193,000. Good Lord. So they paid $60,000 of interest for a $133,000 loan in a very short period of time. So the key thing, the key takeaway from all this is that, is that the APR on these, on these, on these uh, fintech loans, these online loans, is oftentimes very high double-digit or triple-digit APRs. Okay, so if you went out and bought a car today and somebody told you, hey, Kelly, I'm going to charge you 99% interest to buy this beautiful Toyota Highlander. And you say, no way. Mm-hmm. I can go get money for 3% or 3.5%. And you're, you're going you're gonna to run, not walk away from that, exactly. from that deal. But what, what the fintech lenders have been very good at is they are very opaque. And it's a business loan. It's not a consumer loan. So all the protections are different. The consumer loan, there's all kinds of protections for consumers. Mm-hmm. But now you're in the big leagues. You have a business. And you're expected to have some level of financial acumen to figure this out. And a lot of people, early stage, might not. They haven't Just been like there. me. Just, yeah. So you say, I, just, I, I need that money to start, you know, $5,000 to originate it, a couple hundred dollars a day, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. First of all, they don't even know. Entrepreneurs don't know what questions to ask, especially when they are um, being, when, the, when they're out looking for money. This is, thank you so much, Chuck, for bringing this up. And it's extremely important because nowadays everything is digital. And how many times a day do you get in your email you have we have pre-qualified you for fifty thousand dollars. We have pre-qualified you for a hundred thousand. Right. This I mean, is exactly what we're talking about right now. Right. And and uh, and we have small business owners that that are, have a going concern. You know, they'll 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 work with Square or PayPal or something like that, and <clears throat> uh, they will get offers for merchant cash advances. You know, which is a very very high cost. Uh, capital, but and what a merchant cash advance is, MCA is sort of the, the nomenclature in the in the industry. But a merchant cash advance is is again, we'll use this bakery as an example. But these folks might have credit card swipes, you know, every day. That mm-hmm. I don't know, pick a number. It might be you know five seven hundred dollars a day of credit card people coming in and buying their their baked goods, and they're using credit cards. But the uh, the square or the merchant that's clearing these credit card transactions. Okay, when you swipe the card in your mm-hmm. in your business, it goes into a merchant. They take their fee, mm-hmm. you know, three percent or wherever it is, and the rest goes in your bank account, it, and that's fine. But now they have a track record of what kind of business activity you're doing on credit cards every single day. And they can average that over a period of time and so forth and so on. And sure enough, when you go in there to look at, you know, what your credit card swipes look like in your report on your with your online service, be it let's just use Square for an example, this little offer pops up, ding, 
Kelly, right. you can get $25,000 tomorrow. Yes. And we're going to take 17 or 18% of your credit card swipes and every day and, and until it's paid off. Do you want that money? And you might be staring down the barrel of a payroll or something, and you say, yeah, I'll do that. What you don't know, again, is the APR. And the APR is, that is, that is the absolute gold standard when you're evaluating what it costs you to borrow money. Okay? Mm-hmm. What an APR. And if you don't know the APR, don't hit yes. F- know the APR. And, and the APR is really, like I said, is the gold standard. And it's the only way a business owner can really compare the cost of capital between one alternative and another. And a lot of these companies, as I mentioned before, are very opaque on APRs. Yes. Okay. It's the daily payments and so forth and so on. And a merchant cash advance, again, if you're high double digits APR, you're probably doing pretty good. Most of them are triple digits. Wow. And that's, it's mind numbing because the return you have to generate from whatever enterprise you're engaged with to service that debt and make a profit, there's not very many industries around that I know of that can do that. So, Chuck, if someone's looking for some money, let's just say $50,000, where would they need to go? Well, so my, I, I did a lot of work on this uh, with some folks at the CDC. We were developing a loan product for some of our 504 products, a working capital product, and we, we, we dug into this whole fintech world pretty pretty aggressively. And admittedly, this was probably two years ago now, maybe 18 months. But, um, but we, what we came up with was basically a graph, Okay, and on the on the y axis was cost. That's mm-hmm. the vertical one, and on the x axis is the horizontal one is effort. Mm-hmm. And the lower the effort, the higher the costs. So an example is this merchant cash advance doesn't get any easier than that. You know, this thing shows up, thing it's right on your screen. You hit yes, the money comes in, and boom, they start they start taking their daily. Uh, percentage of your credit card swipes, which impacts the cash flow of your business, of which has all kinds of ripple effects. But that is very low effort, very high cost. These fintech loans we were talking about with the bakery example and so forth is just you know not a lot of effort, mm-hmm. very high cost. Right. If you go further out on the effort axis, which is X, okay, you're going to get into SBA loans. Okay, you're going to get into um, some other. Um, you know, cash flow loans and so forth that are more effort. In other words, there's more documentation on on the business owner's part. You're going to have to, there's an underwriting process on the lender's part. And basically what's happening is they are getting to know you as a business owner and how responsible you are with managing your personal finances mm-hmm. and your business finances. Mm-hmm. And the more responsible you are, the more comfortable the lender gets, which means they can charge a lower rate. Right. Okay? Right. But there's that little four-letter word between you and a lower rate is called work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I'm thinking of another word. Yeah, but Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, and you have to gather the documentation. Uh, you're going to work uh, with a loan officer who's going to be in your court trying to help you. And typically, um, the cost of capital for an SBA uh, Community Advantage loan or SBA microloan or even our fast-to-fund loan, which is, a, which is a non-SBA product, but we can typically get clients funded in you know, about 30 days, is going to be uh, the SBA products are probably somewhere between 8 and 10%. Okay. APR with a with a ten year amortization in a lot or a five year amortization for a micro loan. Uh, our fast to fund product's probably going to be it's prime and 
10, I think, something like that. But again, that is a sort of a short-term product, but it's 15% as opposed to 90%. You know, wow. it's, yeah, I, I can't even imagine. Seriously, it, it is, and we've refinanced a lot of these people that have come to us in really dire straits because their cash flow has been decimated by some of these online products, and it's, they're desperate to get out of it. And you know, we have to go through the underwriting process, we have to go through the due diligence, but that's why the rates are low. Because why? Effort. We're way out on the end of that x-axis. We'll be doing a series on how to find funding or how to find money for your business in the upcoming episodes. And in the very near future, I'll be actually interviewing a local investor. And he is, uh, he's, he's a wealth of information. He's been around the block. He has owned his own businesses, sold his own businesses. And he'll be laying out exactly, as an investor, what does he look for in a business? Some businesses they think that um, you know I I can go out and find money fairly easy absolutely you can you just mentioned some of the ways but it's going to cost you a lot of money right? mm-hmm. are you willing to put that much money on the line just for a short amount of uh, money at the beginning so money is an issue for business owners they can work really really hard trying to build their business and then they have been Turn, they can they can be turned away from big banks, as you mentioned earlier. Um, SBA, you've mentioned that multiple times. Um, for a business owner that is seriously looking to grow their business, they need to get to the next step, and they don't have enough uh, funding, but they have to go out and get a loan. So, would you recommend that they go and they the first step would be to um, go to their small, you know, an SBA? Well, yeah, there's. Um uh, community Development Corporation, like CDC is, and, yep. and I'll I'll throw this in. There's um, CDCLoans.com is a great place to Perfect. go. Perfect. Yep. Um, there's 270 of them or so around the United States. So our our the areas that we cover were regional, are California, Arizona, and Nevada. But if there's a small business owner uh, within you know the range of our, our voice in this podcast, that's you know in one of those geographies. Go to cdcloans.com, and there's uh, there's an application right there online, and you can get started that way. You can learn you know everything you need to know about it. Um, you know we've been uh, the CDC's been at this for 40 years. You know here in San Diego, mm-hmm. I think I mentioned earlier we're the we're the largest uh, 504 lender in the United States, and we're also the largest uh, uh, community advantage uh, lender, which is another SBA program. It's for working capital or purchase. You know if you want to buy a business, for instance of $250,000 or less. We also have an SBA microloan, which is for $50,000 or less. And again, those those uh, last two products I mentioned, the Community Advantage and the SBA microloan, are really targeted towards those earlier stage businesses. The 504 loan, again, is a commercial real estate product primarily, and those are for businesses that are that are more established. Right. And, and uh, we spend our life from an advising perspective, 90, 90% of our life, working with these small entrepreneurial businesses that are involved with the Community Advantage Loan, the SBA Microloan, our FASTA Fund Loan, and um, some other you know, working capital products that, you know, that we have. And, um, but but I, think, I think a, a key uh, differentiator, uh, maybe between this, this other guest that you're going to have in, on a future podcast and, the, and getting debt capital, is, is debt capital will come, you know, it's a debt. It's yes. a loan that you get. 
Right. But what happens is, is you don't give up any equity in your business. Exactly. You still own, if you have 100% equity in the business or if 50-50 with a partner, you know, typically a, a uh, private equity investor will invest equity for just that reason. Okay, yes. and it's because they want a piece of the equity of the business. It's like Shark Tank, of course. Right? If they're going to invest money. I want twenty five or you know whatever Mark Cuban thinks he can get. He's going to get right. And you give that up exactly. I personally like Mister Wonderful. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> He's kind of hard, but I like him. I do too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like Mark Cuban though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but uh, but but the debt capital is. I think the access to it is is easier. Um, and it's uh, and again, you you retain ownership and control of your business. That's a great point to yeah. bring up because that's exactly what we're going to explore too. What type of funding's available out there for business owners? But the type of business owners that are looking for either loans or they actually are looking to grow their business with maybe bringing on an investor. So we're going to explore all of this. So this is fantastic timing. I really appreciate you coming in and talking to the audience about how to find money. <laughs> well, Kelly, thanks. I mean, it's, uh, it's always wonderful to be with you. And um, I always leave her smarter than when I came in. So, oh, how yeah. sweet. And I didn't pay him to say that, by <laughs> <Yeah>. the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that's right. Chuck, you can't. We, we can't let you off that easy. Um, would you mind sharing a share two stories with us? One which is not so successful, and two which is a really successful uh, business that you you helped. So, yeah, um, the um, so there there was a uh, um, a very hardworking, passionate entrepreneur uh, that I worked with that uh, made um, cupcakes. And she, uh, before we got involved, had um, rented a storefront uh, in the South Bay area here in town. And I could, I'd never met a harder working person in my life. I mean, she was at this store all the time. I mean, unbelievable hours and had her family involved and so forth. Her, her husband um, had, a, uh, had a job outside of the business, but was very supportive of this endeavor. And um, the one thing uh, that that we couldn't get over was that she had signed a lease in a uh, retail space uh, that wasn't uh, ideal for a lot of different reasons. And the storefront faced the wrong way. The area was a little bit distressed from a retail perspective. The rents were high. She was doing baking and so forth uh, uh, in in very high cost per square foot space. And um, eventually it crushed her. Which was that was very very hard, and we worked we worked hard, she worked hard, but finally it it, it just didn't work, and um, that one really hurt uh, because we worked so hard, and, and she was such a dedicated entrepreneur. I mean, those are the ones that you're rooting for. Yes, right? yes. Well, yeah. I root for them all because you know anybody that takes that step, Kelly, anybody that that is an entrepreneur or that goes in business for themselves, you know that's a different breed of cat. Completely, Chuck. That's why we are here to provide knowledge for entrepreneurs because we're in their corner. We're trying to support them become successful. Right. And it's hard. It it, is. You know, and anybody that, that steps out on that, there's no net, right? Exactly. And, and, the, and exactly. the folks that we deal with are all in. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's 401ks in. You know, when we were, when I was dealing with uh, folks during the economic downturn, I mean, you know, marriage relationships or the whole thing, it's all in. It's mm-hmm. all in there and if this enterprise doesn't work uh the outcomes are catastrophic 
you know, and Absolutely. personally, financially, and otherwise. So anybody that takes that step have tremendous respect for them, and this then this country is where it is because of people like that. It's Absolutely. a special kind of DNA that makes that happen, and God bless the people that do it. And if we can help them, let's do it. You no, know, this truly is a land of opportunity. As you very well know, I was born and raised in England. Yes. It's not a third world country, <laughs> but I have gotten more opportunities here in the States than I would have back home. Mm-hmm. And I able to live the american dream chuck you know if i can do it someone that wasn't born and raised here i'm sure somebody else that really wants to go out and 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 own a piece of the american dream right why get up when and go to work for someone when you can get up and work for yourself it's the the feeling for working for yourself and being successful at is at it is um, a feeling like no other it's pretty incredible and that is Chuck's phone that's yeah. ringing, and we did ask our guest to turn his phone off, but that's okay. I'm not going to hold that against you, Chuck. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, 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 you're fine. You're absolutely fine. So uh, share, share with us a successful story. So, so a, a, success, a success story um, is a, a gal that I've done a lot of work with. Uh, she has a... Um, a um, not a yoga studio, but it's a bar method studio. Um, it's it's here in San Diego. She started out uh, very passionate about um, the yoga craft and the bar method craft and so forth, and is dedicated to it and is phenomenally good at. It. And uh, she has a studio. Uh, she she got an SBA micro loan, uh, built it up, and we spent a lot of time together um, as part of the SBA micro loan. Business advising is a mandatory component of it. So we um, so at the CDC, once your SBA microloan closes, you're assigned a business advisor that will work with you for a period of time. It can be six months or it could be six years. And one of the SBA rules is is that once you're an SBA microloan borrower, you always are. Mm-hmm. So if Bill Gates started Microsoft with an SBA microloan, guess what? He could get business advising from us. Fantastic. <laughs> If he wanted it, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But um, but this uh, this young lady um, didn't really have the business side of things figured out. So we did a lot of work on projections. Uh, she had a uh, customer relationship management um, program that she you know that she was using maybe five percent of. And we dug a little deeper in that, and she mined a lot of good met- metrics out of there as far as scheduling classes that at the opportune times. So she she had more participation. And um, the business built and built and built. And uh, she did have some credit card debt from doing some uh, tenant improvements and so forth when she uh, first opened her studio. And that was a problem. And uh, we got to work on that. We actually refinanced her entire um, SBA micro loan and the credit card debt with a SBA Community Advantage loan that really took down her debt service obligation, which improved her cash flow tremendously. And she's been off to the races, mm-hmm. um, and still is going today. She now she's involved with the uh, the franchisor, the National Association um, of the Bar Method, where she's licensed, and she's doing a lot of work with them on the national level. So. You know, there are so many wonderful stories like that, and it's really, you know, our our job is to try to help folks kind of stay within the navigational beacons, particularly from a financial perspective, making sure that they have good financial reporting that they can now use as a as a management tool. You know, if if you don't if you don't have a good uh, balance sheet and a and an income statement and a statement of cash flows, 
you know, the analogy I use a lot with our clients is like, it's like you're being a football coach trying to manage the team. You don't know what quarter it is, you know, what down it is. I mean, do you punt? Do you run? Do you throw the bomb? You don't know. Exactly. Because you don't have, you don't have the information. And, um, and typically early stage entrepreneurs, that's the one area that's lacking is, is the financial information, the QuickBooks information, that sort of thing. And once you get that, how do you use that to your advantage to better manage your business? I bet you most entrepreneurs don't even know what they have currently in their bank account. A lot of them manage it from the bank account, but they don't have no idea what the what the P and L looks like. They no, have no, no idea what what's the going out, right? What's coming in? Right. Yep. yep. And it's all cash flow management. That's that's exactly. critical in the early stages. So, share some parting words with us. What should an entrepreneur that's looking for money? Uh, what should they do today? Well, if I could, if I could leave your audience with one thing, I would say this: is that if you don't know the APR. Okay, the annual percentage rate of capital that you're going to borrow, don't borrow it. Okay, if somebody cannot explain to you exactly what the APR is and you understand it, you shouldn't take the, the funds. If you understand the APR, now, now you can make a good business decision, just like you would if you bought a house, a car, or any other asset. You would understand what the annual percentage rate is. And not interest rate, there's all kinds of different you know, labels people can put on. I want an annual percentage rate. And, so, and, and if there's daily deductions from your either your credit card swipes or your bank account, if it was me, I would run. I wouldn't walk away from that deal. So if you don't know your APR, that means you're going to lose your knickers. <laughs> and I've mentioned that multiple times on the show from the beginning, Chuck. If you don't know your APR, you're going to lose your knickers. Right. If you don't want to lose your knickers, make sure you know the APR. Exactly. I, I, I agree, Kelly. I it's, couldn't agree it's more. It's as simple as that, right? It is. Exactly. It is. So the graph that you were talking about, uh, would you be kind enough to share that with sure, the audience? Sure, I'd be happy to. We are going to put all of Chuck's information under the show notes of our episode and also how you can directly get in contact with Chuck. We'll have all of his information on there. Uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, Again, I would direct everyone to uh, cdcloans.com. There's, we have a lot of good information there. Um, our marketing department's phenomenal. They, we put out uh, a blog that is unbelievable. It it's pretty is, actually. Very helpful. Kelly's you know, uh, contributed to that. But there's a lot of hands-on tips, techniques. Um, and can they sign up for the blog as well? Uh, yeah. Oh, yep. I, get it, I get it every week. Yep. And, and it's, uh, our, our folks do a great job there. And... Um, you know, the CDC small business finance is, uh, you know, our clients are like a family. You know, we have uh, uh, a family of entrepreneurs there. We have uh, our loan officers are unbelievable. We have um, our underwriting staffs incredible. And um, we're a nonprofit. You know, we're there to help. And, uh, you know, we, we want to stimulate uh, economic uh, activity here in our communities. And um, our group does a great job doing that. CDCloans.com. Yes. Yep. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much again, Chuck. All right, Kelly, thank you, and I'll be checking your uh, your billing statement. Yes, exactly. I don't want you to leave us early. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yes. And I do also want to mention that if you'd like to leave any feedback or would you would like Chuck to come back on the show at a later date, you can absolutely contact me directly from the app that you've just downloaded. By the way, you can download our app from the App Store. Just go research well actually just put in go legal yourself and download the app you'll have direct access to me you can 
phone the show, leave me feedback, tell me how great Chuck was or not, you know. <laughs> I need to know so we can bring him back or not. So uh, please do remember that. The only way you become successful is if you make today the day you go legal yourself. I am Attorney Kelly Bagler, the Queen of Business Law, and it's been a pleasure being your host today. Until next time, cheers to your success.